Don't look now. I am fading away into the grey of my mornings or the blues of every night. Is it that my nails keep breaking or maybe the corn on my second little piggy? Things keep popping out on my face or of my life. It seems no matter how I try, I become more difficult to hold. I am not an easy woman to want. They have asked the psychiatrists, psychologists, politicians and social workers what this decade will be known for. There is no doubt. It is loneliness. If loneliness were a grape, the wine would be vintage. If it were a wood, the furniture would be mahogany. But since it is life, it is cotton candy on a rainy day. The sweet, soft essence of possibility, never quite maturing. I have prided myself on being in that great tradition, albeit circus, that the show must go on. Though in my community, the vernacular is, one monkey don't stop the show. We all line up at some midway point to thread our way through the boredom and futility looking for the blue ribbon and gold medal. Mostly, these are seen as food labels. We are consumed by people who sing the same old song. Stay as sweet as you are in my corner, or perhaps just a little bit longer. But whatever you do, don't change, baby. Baby, don't change. Something needs to change. Everything, some say, will change. I need a change of pace, face, attitude and life. Though I long for my loneliness, I know I need something or someone. Or I strangle my words as easily as I do my tears. I stifle my screams as frequently as I flash my smile. It means nothing. I am cotton candy on a rainy day, the unrealized dream of an idea unborn. I share with the painters the desire to put a three-dimensional picture on a one-dimensional surface. Hello, and welcome to Words That Burn, the podcast taking a closer look at poetry. Today's poem is Cotton Candy on a Rainy Day, by Nikki Giovanni and it comes from her 1980 collection of the same name change is hard this is a well-worn statement it can be difficult for us to go through personally but it can be even more difficult for others to accept it in us those two things might be hard but the most difficult aspect of all is when change fails to come and we are trapped in the same unending situations over and over. This poem tackles change in its many frustrating forms. It comes at a point of tremendous change in the poet's own life. In many ways, it symbolizes a massive transition in her viewpoint and beliefs. As a poet who is living today, it is difficult to fully realize or estimate Nikki Giovanni's impact 
on American history. She was a key figure in the civil rights movement and also in the black artists movement. She rose to become a powerful voice for change and feminism in particular. Born in 1943, Giovanni began writing during the civil rights movement in the 1960s and in the early days of her career was heavily inspired by that movement and the black power movement. During those formative years, her approach to activism could have been considered militant, as much of the black power movement was. The only way forward for many people in those desperately discriminatory times was by any means necessary. Over time, however, Giovanni came to recognise that this hardline approach was not necessarily the most effective or the most aligned to how she felt. She explored that personal dilemma in many ways, sometimes obviously in poems like Revolutionary Dreams, which I've linked below. However, in this poem, that dilemma is explored in a much more subtle way. The change of heart she experienced was born out of the observation that the civil rights movement was, in some ways, prioritizing male equality and that black women would still be expected to take a back seat if the dream was achieved. This revelation saw a shift in the style of poetry that Giovanni wrote. That change is documented and on display in this collection. Giovanni saw this as personal growth, but others, especially those in the black power movement, saw it as betrayal. Here is the poet herself discussing it in an interview in 1980. I would not want to ever be in the same position that I was previous to certain experiences. Um, For example, I've traveled to Africa. If that's not going to change me, then what is? You know, it's, it's sort of like people go to the moon and come back and run for senate or something. I mean, you're supposed to make a major change in your life. But there are people who expect you, who clearly have expected you to stay the same. That's the way they first identified with you, and they've expressed some disappointment that you've changed. How do you react to that? Oh, I'm real sorry, but uh, I think that my responsibility in my life is to grow. I wrote a poem, uh, my latest book, Cotton Candy on a Rainy Day, and one of the lines in there is that, that they sing the same old song, Stay as sweet as you are in my corner, or perhaps just a little bit longer. And I think that people that want you to stay it's because they feel comfortable with who you are. They want you to get their nut off while they want to grow and mature. Giovanni herself confirms this poem is all about dealing with the consequences of her change. I've chosen to analyse the poem in four distinct sections. Section one deals with ageing and physical change. Section two with the loneliness that accompanies changing and personal growth. Section 3 deals with those who don't want you to change. And Section 4 with the frustration of waiting for change. The first section deals with Giovanni's personal introspection and is a hallmark of the new personal style she pioneers in the collection. Don't look now. I'm fading away into the grey of my mornings with the blues of every night. Is it that my nails keep breaking? Or maybe the corn on my second little piggy? Things keep popping out on my face or of my life. It seems no matter how I try, I become more difficult to hold. I am not an easy woman.
to want. That strong, imperative beginning, don't look now, is typical of the direct style of poetry that has led to Giovanni's enduring appeal as a poet over the years. It instantly prompts the reader to pay attention. There is something that may or may not be about to happen. Giovanni explains that she is fading away, the colours grey and blue seeming to hint at some depression or hopelessness that is plaguing her all the time, both in her mornings and evenings. Giovanni poses an open-ended question about the source of her woes. Is it her physical changes, her ageing, broken nails and tired feet? As the poem goes on, we the reader suspect that it's something much deeper. I think that imagery of aching body parts is a clever reference to Giovanni's years of hoisting protest banners and walking in marches. She is utterly jaded. You may notice that I'm making the broad assumption that Giovanni is the speaker of the poem. However, given the deeply personal nature of Giovanni's poetry, I think it is safe to assume that she writes for herself, and I will refer to her as the speaker throughout. Giovanni continues wondering if it is the blemishes on her face that make her life dull, or is it the unexpected events that keep popping out that keep her blue? There is a real melancholy and note of resentment in the lines, it seems no matter how I try, I become more difficult to hold. I took this to mean that the more work Giovanni puts into herself and her life, the more she grows, the more she receives rejection or distance from others. She states that she is not an easy woman to want, a recognition of how society views her as opposed to how she might feel about herself. In the second section, the scope of the poem shifts from introspective to global. The negative emotions that Giovanni is feeling personally become an affliction for everyone. She invokes voices of reason and expertise to define the coming decade of the 80s. And there can be no mistake, loneliness will be the defining factor of those years. They have asked the psychiatrists, psychologists, politicians and social workers what this decade will be known for. There is no doubt, it is loneliness. If loneliness were a grape, the wine would be vintage. If it were a wood, the furniture would be mahogany. But since it is life, it is cotton candy on a rainy day. The sweet, soft essence of possibility, never quite maturing. I have prided myself on being in that great tradition, albeit circus, that the show must go on. Though in my community, the vernacular is, one monkey don't stop the show. We all line up at some midway point to thread our way through the boredom and futility, looking for the blue ribbon and gold medal. Mostly, these are seen as food labels. The opening lines of this section address a real shift in the civil rights movement in the early 80s. The once ironclad bonds of activism had diminished greatly during the 70s, and Giovanni felt that change acutely, the loss of community. Giovanni felt the loneliness of that loss of community earlier than most, as when she transitioned from militant politics 
to more feminist ones, it earned her little more than a hefty wave of backlash. Academic Jennifer Walters provides an excellent summary of that fallout in her article, Nikki Giovanni and Rita Dove, Poets Redefining. She writes, As Giovanni's ideas regarding black identity and revolution evolved, so did her poetry. Because she involved personal issues and poems in her next volumes, leaders of the movement accused her of selling out. And Haki Mabuti even stated she lacked the sophistication of thought demanded of one with pretensions of a political sea. Across the board, critics seemed to condescend to her instead of critique her poetry, saying her words lack substance, style, and maturity. These are harsh words, and no doubt informed some of what Giovanni was writing about. That series of comparisons between loneliness and grapes and mahogany makes it clear that the feeling is not necessarily a negative one. We enjoy loneliness on occasion. It gives us time to think, ferment and mature in our own way. However, the notion that we could have time to mature and grow is whipped away from us and ends up being much closer to the poem's title. Loneliness is cotton candy, constantly dissolving. For such a colourful image, it's quite sad. We get the sense that Giovanni is constantly pulled between wanting solitude and time to mature, but feeling a certain responsibility to the community. The sweet, soft essence of possibility never quite maturing. It could be for Giovanni herself, or the dream of the civil rights movement changing shape before her eyes. Giovanni goes on to take stock of her own stoicism in the face of rainy days, even citing her ability to keep going as a point of personal pride. She recognizes the absurdity of attempting to take everything in her stride. She writes, albeit circus, to really underline that point. There is a notion in the words, in the great tradition, that she is not the first to employ this grit-your-teeth-and-get-it-done attitude. The words hint that it has been passed down through generations, echoing both her own experiences and that of the black community. She takes a moment once again to re-engage with any reader from any background. Stepping away from grand English, the show must go on. She instead chooses to fall back on the language she grew up with, the language used by people in my community. One monkey don't stop the show. It is testament once again to the way in which she appeals to a wide swathe of readers, taking care to never truly alienate anyone. That inclusivity is reinforced when Giovanni changes from I and my statements to we in the next line. That universal we is used to speak about the complex emotions that lead to those feelings of loneliness and dissatisfaction. Words like boredom and futility help to illustrate just how the poet is feeling in that moment. The sports analogy of lining up and looking for the blue ribbon and gold medal highlights the occasional absurdity of the way in which we seek approval from others and how consequently we compete with each other. She assures the reader that this is quite pointless, that there is no true reward in competing with one another. This is put eloquently by her in the line, mostly, 
These are seen as food labels. It's interesting to note that even though Giovanni has pivoted to a more personal style of poetry, thoughts of community, and more specifically, how we interact with each other, are never far from her writing. She truly believes that poetry is the language for all people. She once wrote that poetry is the culture of a people. We are poets even when we don't write poems. We look at our life, our rhythms, our tenderness, our signifying, our sermons and our songs. We are all preachers because we are one. And yet despite her sense of community, she has always been candid about how much time with people can drive you a little mad. She once stated in an interview that I try to like people, by the way I do, then they make you mad. This extended time with people causing madness is a long-held opinion of Giovanni's, as the next section proves. We are consumed by people who sing the same old song. Stay as sweet as you are in my corner, or perhaps just a little bit longer. But whatever you do, don't change, baby. Baby, don't change. Something needs to change. Everything, some say, will change. I need a change of pace, face, attitude and life. Though I long for my loneliness, I know I need something or someone. There is something inherently negative and sinister in the word consumed. It makes us feel as though her commitment to the community may be eating her alive. She references an interesting mantra for those that are against growth. The chant, stay. She outlines the flattery that those who want you to remain as you are will employ to try and make it happen. Stay as sweet as you are. The adjective reinforces the image of cotton candy once more. The change of format here is obvious. Giovanni's lines split right down the middle, with empty words and platitudes on the right and the more insidious agenda on the left. Stay in my corner just a little bit longer, but whatever you do, don't change. The new format exposes the self-serving nature of such requests. The interview clip earlier in the episode proved how little Giovanni cared about these requests. She creates a statement of her own. Something needs to change. There is slow spacing next when she recognizes another universal truth. Everything will change. The perspective shifts back from global to personal when she says, I need a change. She goes on to list the things that need to change in her life. It is a meticulous action and spaced clearly with wide gaps, forcing her reader to slow down and take stock of precisely what she's saying. The final lines of the section clarify the loneliness she spoke about earlier was not negative and the vintage she spoke of was positive. She says she longs for her loneliness, but once again is forced to recognize that she needs something or someone. The dichotomy of Giovanni's sense of community versus her individualism is perfectly exemplified in her words here. She recognizes her own paradox, and indeed the one inherent in any form of change. Personal growth is driven by our own consciousness, but at the same time requires the support of others 
to be successful. Without it, there is every chance we won't succeed as we try to change. They are two opposing forces within this poem, each dragging the other in the opposite direction. The will to change versus the want to belong. The sheer frustration born of these two things is the central focus of the final section. Or, I strangle my words as easily as I do my tears. I stifle my screams as frequently as I flash my smile. It means nothing. I am cotton candy on a rainy day. The unrealized dream of an idea unborn. I share with the painters the desire to put a three-dimensional picture on a one-dimensional surface. Everything in the poem hinges on that initial or. Should the poet embrace the dichotomy and commit to being alone, shun those that would keep her the same, or should she choose to belong instead? In the end, it's impossible for her to decide. She's forced instead to commit a strange act of masochism, self-harm almost. She must strangle her words, her clever retorts, her mantras of defiance. Much like she does with her emotions. She must stifle screams and wear the mask of an insincere smile. She is forced to confront the idea that she is nothing more than cotton candy on a rainy day. Her own worth is futile. In the face of the grim reality she and her community have to deal with. The bleak existentialism, bordering on absurdism, is driven home by the previous line. It means nothing. There is a strange grappling with the state of the civil rights movement. The unrealized dream of an idea unborn. Her new journey forces her to confront whether or not she has betrayed her previous ideals or somehow let down the movement. It was a crisis that many black women, who later prioritized feminism, were forced to deal with as they moved throughout the 70s. The poem ends with that powerful image. I share with the painters the desire to put a three-dimensional picture on a one-dimensional surface. Giovanni wants to build a better world. It is a dream she has pursued for her entire career as an activist, a poet, and later an academic. She still strives for these things today, yet at this moment in Giovanni's past, the want for a better world seems like an impossible task. Much like successfully recreating a 3D object in art, we can employ illusions and techniques, but ultimately they are two different dimensions that simply can't be reconciled. And yet she shares the desire with great artists to make it happen nonetheless. Nikki Giovanni has been described as a living legend. And so, it is always interesting to compare the perspective of such a long-lived and important figure at the beginning of their career versus now. The poem ends on an unexpectedly pessimistic note. And yet the poet herself never stopped fighting for equality for all, never ceased in educating others in how to do the same. She only retired from her life as an academic last year. I think the poem is a perfect depiction of the deep sense of injustice Nikki Giovanni has felt for most of her life, and more importantly, a testament to the effort she has consistently brought to bear to change it. 
In the end, the nature of change is not as ambiguous to Giovanni today as it was when she wrote the poem. From her perspective, change can only be a good thing. What did you think of the poem? I'd like to point out, as always, that this is my interpretation, and I'd love to hear yours. You can get in touch with me in a few different ways. I'm on Instagram at Words That Burn Podcast and Twitter at Words That Burn. If you'd like bonus content, you can find a lot of it there. If you'd like to read the show notes for this episode, complete with full references, you can find it on the Substack at the link in the description. If you've enjoyed the episode, please consider giving me a review wherever you listen. It helps me out massively. Thank you for taking time out of your week to listen to me again.